0: Um, Yep, let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, again, that we have the opportunity to be together. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to study it, to share together now. Help us, Lord, to uh, hear, to evaluate, to be discerning, and to, when it's clearly your truth, help us to embrace that, and not simply to know it. Uh, but be committed to obeying it, to doing it. So turn us, Lord, from being simply hearers into doers of that which you instruct us. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, My wife is away this weekend. She's down yesterday with our daughter had a, a baby shower. So as I told the congregation this morning, I had to dress myself. get breakfast for myself so I did okay I'm sure if you could report that to Rhonda I'm sure she'll check up on me she comes back this afternoon we are in Thessalonians what have I got to do don't know Derek's gonna do I can't see it on the back how do I do that It is on. There you go. It's on the back. Thank you. Give Andy applause, please. Thank you. <laughs> what did you do? Nothing. I think that's got to be up the other way. Oh, okay. I don't know. Like- Sit down there. <laughs> Uh-oh. Derek's moving. Um, and so we are... Uh, I think I got it right. It's up the top. Is that correct? Yeah, it's there. Thank yeah, it wasn't before. Wrong. And that one. Whoa. It's closing prayer. Going good. I um, call it staying the course. The, Thess- the Thessalonians are a, a, a young church and they. Um, Put that there. Don't let me forget, there's a ring. I have to tell you about the ring, okay? Just ask me about it at the end. They're a young church and they had uh, come under the influence of some false teaching and uh, that was throwing them off course. They were getting very upset and befuddled by it. I received in the mail years ago now, not sure how many years ago, maybe um, more than 10, so 12 years ago, I don't know, something like that. Um, You can't see it, but there are two books on the end times that are being advertised and they sent me a free copy, which was nice. Um, the first one is called The Prophesied End Time. It's the end time has come. Hundreds of millions will die in the worst of tribulation the world has ever seen. You need to be informed so you know how to respond. And I went, uh, yep, I will need to how respond when hundreds of millions die. And then he goes on and on it's America's going to be gone and England's going to be gone and then there's going to be world war three and this is going to happen and so this book is written for everyone it's primarily directed to those who share a common heritage in Abraham, Islam, Christianity and Judaism so it's written for the monotheistic faiths. One-fourth of the Bible contains prophecy that's directed at the time right now it's an incredible story. The second book 2008 God's final witness he goes on to talk about this book reveals the seven thunders of the book of Revelation. You know the seven thunders of the book of Revelation? Seven seals, seven trumpets, there are seven thunders and John went to write down the seven thunders and God says, don't write that down, keep that a secret. Well, this book tells us what the seven thunders are, isn't that helpful? It also gives more end time prophecies that will sharply increase during the next two years. The year 2008 is prophesied as the pivotal time for the end times, 2008. Um, he goes on to say he names himself, and he goes on, and he says that he announces in this latest book that he is the spokesman for the two witnesses. You know, in the Book of Revelation, there are two witnesses who come. Well, he's their spokesman; he's talking for them, and he says that 2008 will prove to be will prove the authenticity of all that he has written. Yep, it certainly does. <laughs> Nonsense. False prophet. Got it wrong. Um, and so the Thessalonians had got something like that. Paul says in uh, the passage to Thessalonians chapter 2, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you brothers and sisters, don't become so easily unsettled or alarmed. And there are three sources and it's a bit vague, uh, by a teaching allegedly from us whether by prophecy or by word of mouth or by a letter that says or asserts that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't be so easily distracted, upset, don't become overly anxious and they were, they were unsettled, they had questions without answers and someone, some influence in the assembly, whether it was a word of prophecy or whether it was some but a statement. Um, I heard Paul say when he was here, something like that, or there was a letter actually that had been sent to the church, supposedly from Paul but it wasn't from Paul. Now, which is interesting, if you go to the end of this letter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, you go down to verse 17, Paul says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark in all of my letters. This is how I write. Somebody wrote a letter, signed Paul, when it wasn't Paul. He'd been copied. Uh, Someone had pretended to be him, and they said a whole lot of nonsense that the day of the Lord has already come, right? We're on the final lap it's Jesus is coming any minute you know it could be any day any week now Jesus will come through the clouds it's judgment day starting the tribulation is happening they're experiencing persecution certainly and they were reading that and misunderstanding that to be the terrible times of the end and so Paul writes to them this letter to Thessalonians to give them very clear instructions about an important truth I've got to operate this at the same time I can't multitask I can do that or I can do this so that's that bit, told you that bit. Paul says this, and this is key for my understanding of eschatology, the study of the end times. Don't let anyone deceive you, verse 3, in any way, for the day of the Lord will not come until two things the rebellion happens first, and the man of lawlessness, the rebel himself, is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. Two things have to happen before the day of the Lord comes. Two things have to happen before Jesus comes. There has to be the rebellion and apostasy that a lot of people who are professing faith in Jesus and following him will abandon the faith. They'll give up the faith and they'll walk away. Do you know anybody who's done that? If I said to you, has the apostasy started, would you say yes or no? Some people would say yes because there are samples in every generation of an apostasy of people who were once following Jesus but now aren't and that which we are seeing today of people departing from biblical truth from evangelical truth from the gospel it's certainly widespread it's happening a lot but I think it's going to get worse a lot worse has the rebel been revealed yet the Antichrist the man of lawlessness who is it he's not revealed yet I know that Donald Trump is a very popular choice for some fully understandable end of the world when he was elected some would say it's somebody else through history again throughout history nearly every generation they think that's the person that's the Antichrist if you were in Germany back in the 1930s you would have thought Hitler that's got to be the Antichrist if you're in Cambodia then it was Pol Pot if you're in Africa then it's one of those dictators it's common all of these guys are pre-runners for runners they're all bad examples or examples of this bad character the Antichrist, in fact, 1 John chapter 2 verse 8, 18 says to us that there are already Antichrists in the world. There are many Antichrists. There are many of these sorts of individuals and people who have come. But there is one who is coming, who is at the end. And the Bible certainly talks about him, Deuteronomy, uh, Daniel chapter 9 and 7 and 11. And you'll get this instruction to Thessalonians 2. And then Jesus talks about it. And so does some of the other biblical writers. There is one man. All of those people, Hitler and Idi Amin and Mussolini and Stalin and all of these guys all rolled into one. He's going to be worse than them all put together. He's going to be a world leader. So Paul says, don't be distracted that Jesus has come, the end of the world has started, because these two things have to happen first, the rebellion and the rebel being revealed. And that hasn't happened. And then Paul goes on to give some detail. Now... Here's the reality. On all of this teaching, the Bible gives us a fair bit of information, gives us all different sorts of, if you like, pictures or pieces of the puzzle, and nobody, nobody has been able to put the the pieces of the puzzle together to get the right picture. I had a go. I've put the pieces of the puzzle together. I have a picture. But I bet you I'm not right but I don't have enough brains to figure out where I'm wrong. My problem is this, does anybody know when Jesus is coming? Stay tuned, I'll inform you. That should be a warning bell immediately, because the Bible says, no one knows the day or the hour. True? No one knows. Hal Lindsay said back in the 1960s, no, but we can figure out the year. don't know the day or the hour you can oh really come on and he thought it was 1988 boom boom he was wrong they're all wrong in fact I reckon God's like this I think God's got a date marked when Jesus is supposed to come back and some prophet's going to figure it out and he'll name that date and you know what the father's going to say not doing that now (laughs) pick another one no one knows the day or the hour that's bottom line so when somebody says they do know be careful The problem with my picture of the puzzle that I've put together so I've clearly put it together wrong because when Jesus comes when the man of lawlessness is revealed when the man of lawlessness the Antichrist signs a covenant with a peace with Israel for seven years when he does that there are seven years before Jesus comes back see my problem no when that covenant is signed when is Jesus coming back seven years but no one knows the day or the hour. So there's something wrong in my picture, in my puzzle-solving thing. What I do know is that Jesus is coming back, and I'm equally confident nobody knows. And I'm very uncomfortable with the fact that I've got it worked out to that point where I'm confident that's how it's going to be, but it can't be right. So I don't know what to do about it. Don is not helping me either. He, he doesn't know. None of us know. Anyway, details on the Antichrist, the Apostle Paul gives them to us. He's not going to come until the Antichrist is revealed. This guy, verse 4, and this chapter gives us some details about him. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. Every altar, every church, every religious institution, doesn't matter what institution, what religion it is. He will oppose them all and he will exalt himself over them all and he will declare himself to be God. Who says he's God? He does. And he can back it up. it's a lie, but he's going to deceive many because he's got Satan, verse 9, he's coming with all of the working of the evil one. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. He's going to go to the Jerusalem temple and put himself in the Holy of Holies and declare himself to be God. And he will be believed. Hang on. When Paul wrote that, the temple was there in Jerusalem. About 10 or 15 years later, the temple was gone. It was destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. So now when Paul says that this Antichrist is coming in the future and he's going to go to the temple and declare himself to be God, what temple? Two answers, number one. Well, Paul doesn't mean a physical temple. What he means is a metaphorical temple. You know, the church. He's going to put himself in the church and declare himself to be God. We only get to that view because the temple is actually gone. I don't think that's correct. I think what Paul means is the physical temple, it's a real person, the Antichrist, at a real point in time, in a real place, the Jerusalem temple, but it's not there, no, so therefore it must be rebuilt, that's what I believe, I believe the temple will be rebuilt, like I said, this is part of the picture of my puzzle, how I put it together and I could be wrong on that, but that's how I read the scriptures. So he's going to physically take himself to Jerusalem after the temple has been rebuilt, but hang on, you can't rebuild the temple because the Dome of the Rock is there, isn't it? The Muslims are going to be very, very upset. Well, boom, boom, latest news. The Dome of the Rock is there. And there's some other synagogue of Al-Aqwa or something over there, Uh, another mosque rather. And they have uncovered some of the uh, first century temple, some of the foundation stones they were digging for a well to find water because there'd been a fire in that mosque. And so in the process of doing that, they uncovered what they think was some of the foundation stones of that temple. <clears throat> it's 50 metres north of, this, of the Dome of the Rock. So in other words, there's room for the temple to actually be rebuilt. Well, how could the Jews get permission? How could the Muslims let them rebuild the temple? How's that going to happen, answer? Well, I don't know, but it's, my guess is this Antichrist is going to be so influential. He's going to promise peace in the Middle East. He's going to sign a treaty of peace with Israel, Daniel chapter 9. And he is going to be the one who negotiates all of this, and the temple will already be rebuilt. And it's in that temple that he will declare himself to be God. So that's why I believe, can Jesus come today? No. The man of lawlessness is not revealed and the temple's not rebuilt and all those things have got to happen beforehand. Well, what if you're wrong and Jesus does come today? I don't care. (laughs) I hope I am wrong. I hope he does come today. Don't you? Yeah. So the point is be ready. Get off the planning committee and working things out and get on the welcoming committee for be ready for when Jesus comes. He's coming like a thief in the night. A thief is coming to your place. What are you going to do? You better make sure the doors are secure and you better make sure the windows are lockable. Betten you? A thief is coming. You need to be prepared. Jesus is coming. You need to be prepared. You need your life to be in order. You need God's forgiveness. You need to be made right with him. Otherwise, you're going to be in a world of hurt and pain. Paul goes on. More details about this Antichrist. Uh, Paul says, verse 5, Don't you remember uh, that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? Right from the very beginning, the first couple of weeks of them becoming Christians, Paul's talking about this sort of stuff, about the end time stuff. Jesus is returning, he's coming back, there's going to be an antichrist and he's going to do all these sorts of things and, and then he annoyingly goes on and says, and now you know, Thessalonians, you know what is holding him back so that he will be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back um, will continue to do so until he is taken out of the way I told you this when I was with you and now you know they Paul knew they knew we don't know we don't know what the answer to that is and it's quite puzzling and there is about a dozen different answers but keep listening because I'll give you the truth (laughs) verse 6 and now you know what what is holding him back holding the Antichrist back Because the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist, is already at work in the world and has been since the first from the Garden of Eden. That's what it says in verse 7. The spirit, the power of lawlessness is already at work. And it has been, all throughout human history. And something is holding back, this spread of evil. What is holding it back? Because the what in verse 6 becomes a person in verse 7. He. What is holding him back? He will be held back until... He is taken out of the way and then the son of, the man of lawlessness will be revealed. Then he'll have free reign. What's the answer? Well, some people say it's the Holy Spirit. I don't think that. Some people say it's an angel. I don't think that. Some people say it's the preaching of the gospel. Could be, but I don't think that. I think the, it could be a combination of all of these things. I think the answer is the what is human government, the system of law and order in our society. And the he is the leader of the government. He is the, in Paul's day, it was the Roman Empire and their system of law and order, and the he to be taken out of the way is the Roman emperor, the key leader. That's how I read it, I well, it could be wrong. And so until, and this has happened repeatedly throughout human history, that when a nation departs from the founding morals of their fathers from the beginning of their nation, usually within about 100 years, historians say, Usually in about a hundred years, that nation will then decline and be gone. America is on that slippery slope. You can watch it happening. It's happened 21 times throughout human history. Different kingdoms have risen up. They depart morally. They compromise with the the creator's ultimate standards. And then within a hundred years or so, they are then gone. They're invaded. They're wiped out or something else has happened to them. They're overcome. They're conquered. We're watching America do it. We're on that slippery slope as well. We just had a national vote where a lot of our people declared something which is clearly not God's will or purpose or what God wants for us as his people, as his people created in his image. That's not God's will, it's a departure from God's direction. That spirit of lawlessness is at work in the world, but it's being held back. It's not as bad as it could be. It's going to get worse. That's the reality of it. And so when... um, until that happens until human law is overcome and this world leader emerges and becomes the leader of all nations and verse 8 and then the lawless one will be revealed will know who he is and then wonderfully paul who always keeps his eyes on jesus whom the lord jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming so paul gives all these details about the upbuilding of this antichrist coming and then he um, marvelously says I've done that one. Jesus will destroy the Antichrist like that. It'll be a non-contest. He'll destroy him by the breath of his mouth. Is that like a word? Or a... (sighs) Effortless. And by the splendor of his coming. The Lord Jesus Christ will return and the heavens will part and he will be in all of his resplendent glory. And everyone will see him. And the Antichrist will be destroyed... It'll be a one-punch fight. It'll be an immediate knockdown. There was a singer. That's the first congregation this morning. Uh, He's back in the 70s, 70s and 80s. His name was Carmen. Can't think of his. He's an Italian. He lives in America. Anybody know Carmen? Ooh. Four people, five. Much better than the other congregation. Oh, you guys are smarter. Carmen wrote a song called The Champion. It's a great song. And in this song he's talking about the life of Jesus and his death and his resurrection and he likens it to a boxing match the champion and Jesus gets into the ring and he's boxing Satan I think it is and he's you know sparring and they're doing some rounds and he's taking some blows and he's giving some blows and that's Jesus's earthly ministry. and then somewhere in the fight Jesus puts his hands down by his side he's not going to defend himself and the evil one comes and punches him and it's a knockout blow and Jesus is knocked out Jesus dies in the gospel story, and then the referee, of course, once a fighter has been knocked down, they begin the the count: one, two, three, up to ten, Then it's declared a knockout. But in Carmen's song, he very creatively doesn't have a beginning of the count; it's the beginning of a count down. Jesus is knocked down: ten, nine, eight. And everybody's gone what's going on why is he counting backwards six five because Jesus is going to rise from the dead he's going to be ultimately victorious it's a terrific song and Jesus of course does conquer the evil one through the death and resurrection ascends to heaven on high where he now rules and reigns one day he's returning and when he's returning it's a rematch and it's a one punch fight Jesus wins he's going to destroy this all-powerful individual this Antichrist by the breath of his mouth and by the splendor of his coming. That's how powerful Jesus is. Stay with Jesus, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, and that's God's word to us as well. Stay with Jesus, don't be distracted. This man of lawlessness who opposes everything, declares himself to be God, sets himself up in the temple, being held back at the moment, but Jesus Christ will slay him. The Apostle Paul then goes on to give us some more details about this Antichrist, in verse, what is it, 9, 8? Yep, 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the line. This guy, when he comes, is going to have some supernatural power, some spiritual power from the evil one. Just like Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and performed miracles, so the Antichrist is going to be filled with the evil one son of perdition, second Judas, if you like, Satan will enter him and work through him with displays of power and deception. book of Revelation talks about a statue even being able to speak and so on. And to the point, it's going to be so convincing, the world will believe him. Christians won't. Christians will not, but Christians will be persecuted and hunted and hounded. Come to that in a moment. <clears throat> you ever seen this magician called Dynamo? is remarkable how does he do that stuff i mean i watch magicians i love these illusionists they're so good Penn and Teller and all the rest of them my grandchildren love it too and it's all sleight of hand it's very clever they can explain how they do it but with Dynamo it seems to me to be i think there's another level there's something else going on here he does stuff that you just go that's impossible but he did it is it sleight of hand could very well be. He could just be a very gifted musician. Or he could also, is there some other spiritual power at work in him and through him? I don't know. I'm not wanting to declare it is. But the Antichrist is going to be like that. He's going to have this ability to be able to do things. And you go, that's impossible. Absolutely impossible. And how did you do that? Well, because oh, God. I told you. And he's going to deceive people. And this passage goes on to say why and how. He'll use all this. Verse 10. Verse um, 10. ...that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. Deceives those who are perishing, the unbeliever. They perish, why? Well, because they refuse the gospel, they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. They had a choice, God gave them free will and they said, no, I don't want it. Then what happens? Verse 11, for this reason, because they've said no, probably relentlessly and continually, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. God says, you have a choice, they make their choice, and God says, okay, you've made your choice, now you will stay in that choice. I've asked you to listen, I've I've given you the opportunity to believe and to repent, and you've said no, so now I will harden you in it, I will confirm you in that choice. The decision you make is the decision that you will bear the consequences for. Just like Pharaoh. If you read exodus you'll see that um, pharaoh hardened his heart he rejects the offer or the options and then god hardens his heart it's god's hardening as in response to the human choosing to harden first it's not god saying i'm going to harden you and i'm going to harden you it's not that it's god responding to their response working his purposes out and you we need to be aware of that in our evangelizing and sharing the gospel with people that if people reject it then we need to be aware of that and give them the freedom to reject but know the consequences. Um, And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have rather delighted in unrighteousness. There are two groups, believers, those who accept the gospel and those who reject the gospel and the Antichrist will find fertile field amongst those who reject the gospel. And he will have a massive following. And many people who were professing Christians, in fact, will be an apostasy. They will abandon the faith and they will go over to this side. They'll sell out for the short term. I was just reading through um, the pastoral epistles, Timothy and Titus. And in Timothy, it actually says, um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, this got my attention. It says that Demas has left me um, because he's in love with the present world. And he's gone to Thessalonica. That's why it got my attention. Here is a guy who was serving with the Apostle Paul, who abandoned Paul, walks away from the faith, in love with the world, and guess where he goes? Thessalonica, the very place we're talking about now. There was something happening in Thessalonica. There was a happening place. You know, it was booming, and there was all sorts of things going on. It was very attractive to those who um, were ungodly. So the Apostle Paul then writes to the Christians, and he says to them, well, he gives more details. Stand firm. God will strengthen you. I thank God that you have become followers of Jesus. And the opposite was happening for them, verse 1 and 2. They were unsettled. They were alarmed. They were beginning to waver in their faith. They misunderstood. They thought, the day of the Lord has come and we've missed out. Or Jesus is coming soon and we need to leave our jobs and all other sorts of things. And Paul simply says, remember we taught you, verse 5, hang on to that. Stay true there are many false prophets and teachers in the world i've been following jesus for over 40 years and over my 40 years i've seen many people start but not finish depart i started theological college with about 20 something i can't remember the exact number low 20s 22 23 Um, other people students who were likewise being called to be pastors or missionaries were full-time students theological college at sydney and four of us have finished. I'm one of three and three others who are still pastoring, missionaries, still going to church, still evangelical, but many of them are not doing it. They're not attending church. They're in fact critical of the church. So something's happened for them in their journey and they're certainly not evangelical. They've abandoned the faith. It happens. Well, I think the scripture says, well, it's only going to happen more. It's going to get worse and worse. But Paul says, God will strengthen you. Stay with him. Now, what does all this mean for us? Well, number one, five, I think it's five, five or six things very quickly. Uh, Check what you hear. You do need to understand biblical truth, the Thessalonians did, um, because there are many false teachers going around. Not everybody who teaches the Bible is teaching the truth, so you need to be discerning. We say it, say it all the time. You don't believe what I say, you believe what the Bible says. You check what I say against what the Bible says. If what I say is not the same as what the Bible says, then reject what I say and believe what the Bible says. And if I say something the Bible doesn't say, come and show me. Come and correct me. Come and help me learn. Do that for all of our pastors. Do that for anybody who stands in the pulpit. We are not infallible. We are not inerrant. We do make mistakes, particularly the other pastors. They're not here. Don't you tell them I said that. Yep, yeah, we're all in the process of learning, and we don't want to teach error. I certainly don't want to misunderstand or misrepresent the scripture of what God says to us because the warning is great. Those who teach the scripture are accountable with a greater, stricter judgment. That's the reality. So, for you, check what you hear always. Somebody once taught me, Jack Deere was his name, he said 80% of what we believe, we believe because somebody told us, not because we did the study ourselves. 80%? That's a lot, isn't it? How do you know that's true? Well, because he told me. <laughs> did I check it out myself? Well, how do you check that out? I can do it personally. And it, it's true. It's based upon what I read. It's based upon what others I have heard say. And I put that together. It's not based just upon my own research but i like those of you who are good bible students you will be going well you're reading and you're doing that but you're filtering it and discerning of is that right is that right you're doing it's a learning process altogether check what you hear number two focus on jesus this is a wonderful passage and in it the apostle paul talks about the antichrist for about the only time he does in any of his letters but notice this even in talking about the antichrist he's, he's focused on jesus Jesus is going to come and he's going to destroy the Antichrist. Don't worry about him. Be concerned about being right with him, the Lord Jesus. And it's a little bit ironic, I guess, but this very passage, the very one that is written to correct bad understanding about the end time, is now one of the key passages that, where we compete with our understanding of what the end times are all about. Written to correct and now becomes the source of different understandings of the very thing. Here is the main application. Don't despair if evil wins the day. This passage is telling us that evil is coming. Evil is already at work in the world now, verse 7. And it's going to get worse, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Many will depart from the faith. People are going to abandon truth, have itching ears to hear teachers, whatever they want to hear. Uh, They're going to be lovers of themselves, and they're not going to be loving God. It's going to get worse. So don't despair if, in the process of your life, evil wins some battle or some day because evil will win some and ultimately it'll get much worse and if we're still here, um, if we haven't died or if the Lord Jesus hasn't returned in time, if we're part of it then you will experience this horrendous downturn in the morals in society. Don't despair when evil wins the day. Think of anything evil that's happened just recently in our country. Oh, I don't know, maybe a nation might vote for same-sex marriage or something. It's not God's will. His word is very clear. Don't despair. He is in control. Evil will, it'll get worse. It's not bad now. Do you have a job? Yep. Can you get an education? Can your kids go to uni? Yep. Do you live in peace with your noble? Yep. Are you able free to share the gospel yep can you attend church yep study the bible yep buy christian resources yep one day is coming when none of that will be true you will not have a job because you're a christian your children will not go to university because you're a christian you will not live in peace you'll be persecuted and hated you will not be able to share the gospel it'll be illegal and you'll be penalized can you attend church only secretly there will, won't will be any Bibles. You'll have to smuggle them from somewhere. And you won't be able to buy Christian resources. You'll be sharing books around a lot more than we are now. Some of our brothers and sisters experience that now. We don't. And as bad as that decision is going to be for the implications of the long term of our society, don't, be, don't despair if evil wins the day. What do we need to do? Well... Be thankful for what we do have but continue to listen continue to uh, understand and empathize even with those who are departing from what god's will clearly is and care for them like the good samaritan the lord jesus lived in a sin-infested god-defiant world didn't he we follow him the religious people back in the century when he was here had it wrong they thought that god only approved to people who were morally pure them And so then they turned their sights on others and were judging and condemning of others for their sinfulness and remarkably the sinful people the one the religious leaders were condemning and attacking they were attracted to jesus did jesus compromise truth no did jesus deny god's standards no was he defiled by his association with prostitutes and with tests no not in the eyes of God in the eyes of the religious people he was because they looked down their noses at him so God when he came in the flesh dined with tax collectors and prostitutes with LGBTI people and with even politicians why because the big picture is they need forgiveness they need to be made right with God they're making all sorts of bad choices and wrong decisions, which are going to harm society That's not the big picture. The big picture is do you know Jesus? Do you know God? He's coming. He came and died so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be re established with Him. It's very easy, brothers and sisters, to become distracted from we need to mount up a cause against this horrible thing which is happening. No. You just need to stand your ground. You just need to speak the truth lovingly into the situation. Do not attack, do not condemn. And when they do that to you, and they will, when they are intolerant of your view, when they call you names because you're just simply sharing biblical truth, what God says, then don't retaliate. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be agents of reconciliation. We are called to make a difference. So therefore, be prepared for what is to come. Change is coming. And we're going to have to be smart we're going to have to be a little bit modifying our normal approach we're going to have to be harmless in our approach without compromising biblical truth still standing for Jesus and following him and speaking the truth into each situation that he takes us and so that when he comes we will be faithful loving and gracious to others because clearly the Lord Jesus is not coming until the lawless one is revealed it's gonna get worse there is no secret escape plan we are not to withdraw but rather we are to engage as best we can should resist evil injustice and oppression certainly but we are agents as i said of reconciliation to know God in Christ that's the big game that's what it's all about stand your post continue be prepared for what is to come study your biblical theology Work out as best you can what the Bible is teaching. Study it together. Question it together. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5. Let me share this with you. Time's gone. Um, Paul says to Timothy, but you keep your head in all situations. What does that mean? Keep your head. Well, don't get it cut off. No, be calm. Be self-controlled. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Share the gospel. And discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and discharge your thing. Finally, choices have consequences. God gives us free will to make choices and others. And choices have consequences. Now and then. So the choices we make must be according to God's will, God's word and God's plan. There is a final day, a final gathering together where God's truth and God's standards will be implemented. So we need to make a choice. At that final gathering, there are going to be two groups, sheep and goats. The sheep will be his, those who follow him, accept the gospel, who stand and live for him and who endure hardships and persevere. They stay the course. Those who reject the gospel, those who do it their own way, those who live for just the pleasures of this life in the short term, They'll be rejected as they rejected him so he will exclude them and they'll be separated from his presence forever make a choice which group are you in we're going to pray together heavenly father this is your word help us to study it to learn it to know it to understand it and then after that most of all help us to be obedient to it, to align and comply our wills with your will. So, Lord, um, help us not to despair when evil triumphs, because ultimately you triumph. Jesus is coming. Help us to be ready for that. And in the meantime, help us to be faithful followers, agents of reconciliation, salt and light, um, being light in the darkness, for your will and for your purposes and for your honour and glory we pray, Amen we're going to